Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Uh, talking about a lot of things. Mostly basketball, of course. We've got uh, a pretty good base of knowledge on the NBA. We'll talk some college basketball, some big NFL news, of course. As well, but college basketball, Karan, is where we have to begin, right? Last night, Loyola Chicago, the dream continues. They knock off or they head to the Final Four. They'll face Michigan in the Final Four. Major, major development for college basketball. You know what? I love the Loyola Chicago story. I love it. I mean, the Kansas State game, not close, and 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 that was kind of fun to watch in so, to some degree as well. But I love the Loyola Chicago story because college basketball for the last two months, has been a cesspool. Like, what have we talked about, Karan, when it comes to college basketball? We've talked about uh, players getting paid, coaches getting fired, sneaker companies invading and corrupting the college basketball experience, the FBI getting involved. You've got Loyola Chicago here, and they don't have anything to do with that. they they got Sister Jean. They've got, uh, you know, this, this young upstart team that's making one of the most improbable Final Four runs, I would say, in history. I I think college basketball badly needs this. Hey, listen, you you spoke so highly about college basketball and everything that is. Look, my bracket is 
destroyed right now. <laughs> As you're so happy just talking about all the, the great things that's going on in college basketball, I'm just still trying to figure out who, what, when, how, how did all this happen? Mm-hmm. But like you said, Sister Jean was amazing. She had been amazing on the sideline. How about a report just talking about Charles Barkley last yeah. night? That was that, yeah. that was amazing. Like she's so aware and just you know she's been you know nothing but a uh, a beacon of light to that team. And you know uh, I'm, I'm rooting for her. I really am. Nope. Everybody's brackets busted. Cry. I would argue in the Butler household, like you're probably fourth or fifth, right? I mean, like I I can't imagine it, the people that win these brackets are the people that bet on, like, jerseys. I, I saw Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens in his household had a dog fill out his bracket, his dog, and his dog picked UMBC because they were the Terriers in that <laughs> first round. So the, the educated college basketball analyst or basketball analyst, they don't win these brackets, man. They never do. Yeah, listen, my six-year-old Gia has a better bracket than me. Everyone <laughs> See, in the household did it, and she just randomly selected teams and just placed them on the line. I'm sitting here with all this wealth of basketball knowledge, breaking down the concepts and the backcourt and the sides and, you know, the coaches. Man, listen, I struck out. She won the bracket pool. I got to take her to Tours R Us before it closed. So what do you like about Loyola Chicago? I mean, I watch them and I see kind of this – improbable bunch of players got, you know, juniors and seniors, which I think is often a benefit in tournaments like this, having experience as opposed to some of the one and done schools. Loyola Chicago is not that when you've watched them and this run they've gone on, what is it about them that that's gotten them to this point? Listen, they're connected. They're playing exceptionally well. They're moving the ball. Um, Guys are buying into the concept of whatever it is. Like we're just going to play the right way. Whereas sometimes when you're on this platform and you get on this showcase, you know, so many guys try to do much more, you know, to highlight themselves or feature themselves for the better good of just trying to have a little bit more of a marathon of a career. But those guys are just they just playing hard for each other. And that's all you say. Like it's it's real good basketball to watch. They have had, I will say this, and not that it's a criticism, but they have had a bit of a favorable bracket, right? I mean they 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 avoid some of the top seeds. They get Nevada uh, a couple of round a couple of games ago. You know, uh, last night against Kansas State, so they've avoided the the upper upper echelon teams. They haven't had to face like the Villanova, who we're going to get to see uh, a little bit later on. The Duke Kansases, which we'll see a little bit later on. So they've been able to avoid that. And look, frankly, they're going to to avoid a a, a potentially super tough matchup in the Final Four when they get Michigan. Michigan's a good team. But they're not going to have to face a number one seed in the Final Four. So I, I don't give much of a chance at a championship game. But to get to that championship game, Karan, I, I give them, watching the Michigan game last night, I give them a shot. I do. I give them a shot against Michigan. Listen, I give them a puncher's chance. And also, like, who is the real clear-cut favorite in this tournament? I don't know. You know, Other like, side of the bracket. Yeah, like, look, look, you said they had an easier pathway, but they're 11 seed. Yeah, nothing easy. <laughs> nothing is easy about coming into the bracket and being an 11 seed on any side, whatever region, and still perform at this level. You saw K State; they disappointed some people. Villanova is the you know the clear cut you know number one seed that you know looks like they're on pace to doing some amazing things and probably might have a realistic shot of holding that trophy up. Mm-hmm. But Kansas is still there. Duke is still out there. I mean. It's, it's some 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 real good talent out there still. I want to talk about Michigan in a little bit, but I do want to get into how Michigan won 
uh, that game against Florida State, especially oh the end, especially the end of the game, <laughs> Karan. This, I mean, this this boggles the mind a little bit. End of the game, right? Uh, Florida State is down by four. Michigan collects the ball with uh, after missing a three. Michigan collects the ball with about thirteen seconds left, and Florida State down four. Leonard Hamilton elects not to foul in that situation. I want to first play for you, Karan, before I get your thoughts on this. Uh, this is Dana Jacobson with CBS doing the interview with Leonard Hamilton after the game, and she asked what I think everybody, you do sideline, I've done sideline, everybody would ask this very question. Coach, take me through the final seconds of this game. Why didn't you guys foul? Now, Karan, let me ask you, is that to you <laughs> a legitimate question? Is that a legitimate question? Yeah, it's, it's a legitimate question, but at the same time, you have to understand the timing of the question. You got to ask that, like, let them take a shower, let the team take a shower, let them, you know, vent for a minute, and then ask them in the postgame press conference. But walking off fresh off the court, oh, no. You can't You can't I, ask that. I don't know. I disagree. I, he wasn't fresh off the court. He didn't do it on the court. He did it in the back. He probably had, I want to say, 10 minutes to kind of digest it. You think I that's long enough? That's, I After mean, a like, long season? To, uh, I'll put it this way. To ask a kid, maybe not. To ask a kid, I would give some rope there. But Leonard Hamilton has been an NBA coach. Leonard Hamilton, not a very successful one, Leonard Hamilton has <laughs> been a, a longtime college coach. He, here's Leonard Hamilton's answer to Dan Jacobson's question. Uh, what are you talking about? Down the stretch there, the end of the game, the final seconds, 11 seconds left on the do, clock. Do you think that the game came down to the final seconds of the game? I'm asking you, though, why that decision in the final seconds of the game? The game was over. You didn't think your guys could get back in it, put them on the line you if they but, miss those shots? I mean, but 15 seconds, what were we down? Put them on the line, they miss a few shots. Coach, a four-point ball game, it's a question that, that the guys were asking at the end of our game. That's all I'm asking. It didn't come down to that in your mind. You know, that's just a grade-A jackass answer by Leonard Hamilton. It really was. You, I mean, you, you, you. you. You see, I'm going through it right now, and I <laughs> I had a whole night to sleep on it, and I still can't answer the question correctly. It, it takes time. You got to let that, you got to let it breathe, and then you can address the situation. Ah, uh, okay, fair <laughs> fair enough on that count. But I was reading the story uh, on the Ringer website uh, last night. It was uh, just after the game, and the Ringer was like, it was posting all this stuff about the times that Leonard Hamilton has fouled uh, in these types of, uh, of situations. Florida State fouled down six points with 15 seconds to go in the ACC tournament, down nine points, 14 seconds to go against Clemson, down 16 with 24 seconds to go against Notre Dame, and down six with seven seconds to go against B.C., Back in January. And also, which is something a coach should know, Michigan is a 66% uh, free throw shooting team. So, look, again, Karan, I'm with you on the kids. Like, the kids, maybe the kids shouldn't know this. Maybe the kids shouldn't be asked about this. But Leonard Hamilton screwed up. Leonard Hamilton should have known and should have been screaming at the top of his lungs to foul in that situation. Maybe they wouldn't have won, but it would have. I think they at least had a chance. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he should have filed. In hindsight, everything's twenty twenty. I, I I look at that situation. I'm like, okay, he should have filed. And I think that, to his credit, he's probably thinking the same thing now that he has a chance to calm down a little bit and evaluate the situation. But in the heat of the moment, 
This is why they say you need a little bit of favor, you need a little bit of luck, you need a little bit of divine intervention, you need the basketball guys to be on your side because things are happening so fast. There's so many emotions. There's so many, like, listen, this is for the final four, bro. Like, this is the final four. Like, the sense of urgency is, you know, that like from a scale of one to 10, imagine being on 20. You could tell, like, in his post-game comments, he didn't even know how to address the reporter. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, with that, but, with, 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 like, get, like, he couldn't get his thoughts together because it's so much energy and effort that goes into the preparation of the game and then there's so much emotions that go into the game while you're out there that you're displaying, that you just it's, – it's, it's so much. So you need a little bit of luck, and unfortunately their luck ran out. Yeah, but his his reflex is to be a condescending jackass in that situation. <laughs> to just kind of like, look, what what do you what like it, it almost and, and look, I don't want to bring it to like a sexism level or anything like that, but it wasn't until and we didn't hear we didn't hear the aftermath of, of Dana's question. She said the guys thought you should have fouled at the end of that, that he actually decided to answer the question. I mean he just he decided to he took the question that was almost an insult, Quran. And yeah. I thought that was a mistake. Yeah. He 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 kind of did, but at the same time, I think what he was really trying to – his point was, look, it didn't come down to not making a foul down the stretch. The game came down to, you know, loose balls, rebounds, boxing out, uh, going downhill on pick and rolls, doing this. doing Like, it came out to multiple possessions, and, you know, for the most part, we just got outplayed. All right, we're going to get more into this and talk about what happened in the, the uh, Florida State-Michigan game last night. We're also going to get to the games a uh, little bit later on today. The big boy side of the bracket uh, is uh, taking place later today, highlighted by Duke against Kansas uh, a little bit later on this evening. It's Chris and Karan coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Chris and Karan coming to you here, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Great news. A quick way you could save money, switch to Geico, go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. So, Karan, last night we had a blowout. Loyola, they took out Kansas State. About uh, two hours from now, we're going to get another one because Texas Tech has no shot against Villanova. No shot. This is a 15-point game at least, man. That's it. 15 points. That's what they say. That's what I say. I'm telling you, 15 points. Hey, listen, I'm calling my shot. Listen, we, we called our shot, what, a couple weeks ago where we said, mm-hmm. you know, Loyola Chicago should not be, you know, making a trip to the Final Four. Like, we all had our perceptions on each of these teams. But, you know, we, we've been wrong. You know, so anything can happen. Like, this is, this is a true tournament where anything can happen. Like, there's no clear-cut favorite. Like, if you look at the association, the association being the NBA, mm. it's about four legit teams that's going to be there at the end. But if you look at, you know, the NCAA, it's wide open. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know anyone that would put their bottom dollar on any team out no. there right now. No, not in a one, not in a one-off. No, no way of that. But Villanova is so good, man. Like, they, they, they are just so good offensively. Like, five guys in that team could take over. I agree. You got to have playmakers, and, and that's exactly what they have. So I, I totally agree with you on that. Who's the best NBA prospect left in this tournament? Because I look at Bagley right now, and and, and look, he's got it. It's it's people ask me all the time, and I'm sure you get it a lot. Uh, you know, who's number one? Who's going to be the first pick of the draft? Second pick of the draft? Whatever. I think there's three or four guys. I mean, Aiton 
might be separating himself a little bit. But a guy like Marvin Bagley, these next potentially three games, they could be huge for him because going up against the Kansas, the talent Kansas has on its front line, uh, Bagley could really you know do something for himself by having a couple more good games. Listen, you 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 talk about Aiden. I feel like I feel like he's he's a, he's a special talent. He's a grown mm-hmm. man, and you talk about Bamba from Texas and Trey yeah. Young and you know the combo guard that's from overseas, uh, Real Madrid. We're gonna talk about him a little. Luka Doncic, yeah, yeah. So he's special, but the guys that's still playing in the tournament right now, I would have to say Bagley is the guy, and he's special for numerous reasons. You know, you 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 heard so many things about him being disengaged on the defensive end of the floor and things like that. But he's engaged, and he's mm-hmm. playing solid. And Coach K haven't complained about him not one second. Like, he's actually been an asset to this team. You know, he is engaged defensively. Like like all young players, they get lost in moments. It's part of the systems, part of growth, being on the string, you know, buying into something that you're not accustomed to doing. But offensively, he has the tools he knows his strengths. Uh, he don't try to stretch himself out too much and do uh, too much on the court. But he's just a guy that looks like he's extremely fun to play with. Mm. I shuddered a little bit when you said the name Trey Young because Trey Young scares the daylights out of me, especially as a top 10 prospect. Explain. Because, well, I mean, look, I have people that swear up and down that there's Steph Curry in him. That that his 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 skill set matches what Steph had coming out of Davidson, but uh, is his his body size and the fact that he's so kind of finish for lack of a better word, um, and the the lack of maybe playmaking in terms of being a passer, I just wonder are are we seeing a Jimmer Fredette type of player in in Trey Young, a guy that was a great college player but doesn't have the skill sets like. To me, Karan, Steph was an anomaly. Like, nobody really believed in Steph. What, two point guards went ahead of Steph Curry uh, before he was drafted at, at sixth overall. I'm kind of having that same fear when it comes to Trey Young because unless he turns into a unbelievable shooter like Steph Curry was at an NBA level, I- I'm not sure how he survives because Jimmer didn't. Jimmer didn't shoot the ball that well at, at the NBA level, and he certainly couldn't defend at the NBA level. Those things worry me about Trey Young. Well, could Jimmer put the ball on the floor? Not really. That that's that's what I'm saying. That's the separation right there. Mm-hmm. Trey Young is a guy that can create separation, could obviously create space. That's two of the same thing. But he's a guy that has an engine, he has a motor, and you know, the it factor. Whatever it is, he has it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he he's a guy that understands how to play off people. And let's just face it, now that the season is over, we can be honest. Because the kids need to develop, work on their skill set, work on a, being a better version of themselves on and off the court, and they need to go in the, in the summer thinking get better. He was playing with a bunch of guys that just wasn't there yet, mm-hmm. and he made the best out of that situation. Now, mind you, being at Davidson, Steph Curry, being in that division, and look at the the conference that Trey Young was in. Look at the competition he was playing against night in and night out and literally carrying that, that team on his back. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, yeah. that, that has to account for something. Like, yeah. listen, he, he became must-watch television. The reason why Oklahoma was in the tournament was for simply him. Mm-hmm. 
Like people wondering, like how how did the committee? I'll tell you how. <laughs> He's guaranteed must see television. <laughs> he got the reins up. Can he? Let me ask you this, because the you mentioned Jimmer not being able to put the ball on the floor is is problematic for him, and I agree with you. But I think Jimmer would still be in the NBA if he could defend anybody, and and he couldn't. That was the number one problem with Jimmer for dad. He couldn't stay in front of anybody at a high level that into the floor. Do you think, I mean, look, Steph's not an elite defender, but he's turned himself into a pretty serviceable one, I think is a, a fair way to put it. Can Trey Young be serviceable in the NBA? Hey, listen, my, like my uncle told me, man, if was a fifth, we all be drunk. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you just like that. You know, look, there's a lot of guys in the NBA that can't play defense, you know, but they're good enough at something where they found their niche and they they, they they do it exceptionally well, where that talent outweighs the other things that they can't do. Mm. And I think with Trey Young, he's box office. He's a guy that people want to see on the court. Guys want to see him excel and do well. He's already being accepted by the, the brotherhood of the association. Guys like LeBron James, Chris Paul, all these guys are talking and tweeting about him already. Like, he's already been accepted into, look, he can play. This kid got some talent. And once that happens, you know, it takes a life of his own. So he bought himself three to four years in the association already. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I agree that he is an NBA player. But as you say those things you said that, that guys are tweeting about him and talking about him, the name that came to mind with that was Buddy Heald. Remember when Buddy Heald was going crazy a couple of years back, Every, like Kobe was meeting with him, everybody was talking about him, and Buddy Heal was drafted pretty high, and, and it really hasn't worked out. I mean, he's a he's a a decent kind of role player, but certainly not someone that if you go back and redraft, you would take him that high. I mean, at what point though does the do you get too caught up with the hype? You know what I mean? Like Jimmer, we got caught up with the hype in, and he wound up being the, what the seventh pick in the draft, and and was a total bust in the NBA. I, at what point do you get? Do you start to look past the hype with a guy like Trey Young? Hold up, rewind. <laughs> what? Where? Where is Buddy Hill at? Sacramento. Okay, let let's just stop right there. <laughs> he was in New Orleans first. Mike drop. He was in New Orleans. Look, we just got to stop right there. Look, <laughs> his development <laughs> has been, you know, hindered to a to a certain degree. And, you know, as that as that organization is trying to figure out what they are going forward with Vladi Divac and those guys, like, and they're going to get it right, Peja. But that's a process. So when you have young talent that's trying to, you know, groom these guys and insert things in them, how to be a professional, preparation, being consistent, all these things, it's going to take time for, for Buddy Hill to be a better version of himself. As you look, like you look at uh, Ben Malcolmore, he was the yes. same way. Like I saw him in practice, I, w- I was like, "Wow!" Like Ben mm-hmm. is so talented, but he needs a two guard that Ben like a, a big can't teach you how to be a two guard. No, you know what I mean. Like Kareem, hell of a player. I feel like he's the goat. But can you imagine Kareem coming in and tell Alonzo Ball how to come off pick and rolls? Nope. Like imagine how that conversation was signed. Like like he knows the game and understands the game, but at the same time, you know. His specialty and what he's been great at is come out here. I'm going to introduce you to this hook shot. Ain't nothing you can do about it. 38,000 points later, I'm still dropping it on you. 
in the face. Like, you need someone to show you how to be great at that position, how to be consistent, how the reads at that position. You need a Kobe Bryant. You need a Dwayne Wade at the two-guard position. Clyde Drexler. You need those guys if you feel like you have that talent pool in that two-guard, in that guy. You need that guy to show your two-guard how to be that. And they don't have no one over there. I would love to see Bobby Jackson working with Buddy Hill all the mm-hmm. time. You know, I would love to see Peja Stoyakovich teaching him how to come off pin downs correctly or even better because he's a hell of a shooter. But you need that type of committee around the players to enhance them. So you, what do you think the ceiling is for a Buddy Heald? Not to make this the Buddy Heald hour, but I mean, I, I think he's he's a, a decent role player on, and because he's putting up numbers and Sacramento stinks. I always have questions about guys that are putting up numbers on a team that isn't performing that well in the standings. I feel like his ceiling is Eric Gordon. Okay. If he turns into Eric Gordon, if he turns into Eric Gordon... I will uh, send you a written apology on Buddy Heald. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel yes. that's his that's ceiling. I, I feel like he has to explore and start putting the ball on the floor. And what I love about Eric Gordon is that, look, you, he could have been a starter, but he bought in and embraced his role as, you know, being that guy to come off the bench. And then sometimes, look, I can share starter minutes. I can do that. But I'm going to be pretty much the best six man, the best thing coming off the bench. And that's what he embraced. And that's I feel like Buddy Hill can do that on a consistent basis if he continue to enhance his game. All right, Buddy Heald is healthy. We're going to get to some NBA injuries, but first, let's check in with Kevin Figures with the latest. What's up, Kevin? Gentlemen, welcome to the Fox Sports Radio family. Glad to have Appreciate you guys that. in. Yeah, uh, Chris, we'll have to talk about Canelo, Triple G, and contaminated, ah, we can contaminated do meat at some Karan, point. We'll talk, we'll talk boxing, too. We'll get into oh, that lovely. as well. Lovely, lovely. And Tough Juice, welcome to the family, brother. Love it. Now, you brought up Ben McLemore a second ago. He actually played for that Kansas Jayhawk team that lost to Michigan that last Michigan team that went to the Final Four back in 2012-2013. Michigan is back after a win over Florida State on Saturday night in the West Region Final. 58-54 was the final score as Charles Matthews has 17 points and 8 boards to get the victory there. Elsewhere, the dream still alive for Loyola Chicago, the 11th seed in the South Region. They beat Kansas State 78-262. Senior Ben Richardson, 23 points, was 6-7 of seven from 3-point distance as the Ramblers led by as many as 23 points in the game. Their first appearance in the Final Four since they won it all back in 1963. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore, with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Coming up a little bit later this afternoon, 2.20 Eastern time, you have Texas Tech taking on Villanova in the final of the East region, while second-seeded Duke will take on top-seeded Kansas at 5.05 Eastern time. And in the NBA, the Rockets steamrolled the Pelicans 114-91. That's eight straight victories for Houston as James Harden at 27 points and eight assists. Sixers with their sixth straight victory. They blow out the T-Wolves 120-108. to Philly now just one game behind the Cavaliers for the third seed in the Eastern Conference. You guys mentioned some injuries in the NBA. Warriors guard Steph Curry, grade two MCL sprain in his left knee. He will be out for at least three weeks when he'll be reevaluated. But some good news for the Warriors. Draymond Green is expected to return to the lineup today against Utah. Kevin Durant possibly back as early as Tuesday when they take on the Pacers. Gentlemen. All right, Karan, I hate injuries in the NBA. Steph Curry's injury, Kyrie Irving's injury. But the weirdest injury this season has to be what's going on in San Antonio with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard had the quad injury at the end of last year, rehabbed it all summer, came back, played nine games early this year, and hasn't 
been seen since. Now, this has led to some tension between Kawhi and the organization. The Spurs have let it be known that they medically cleared Kawhi uh, a while ago, at least a month ago, to come back and, and play. Kawhi sought a second opinion over the All-Star break and still doesn't feel uh, all right enough to get out there and play. Now we have a report that there was a, a players-only meeting. Uh, you know, There's been some debate over what the tone of that meeting was, whether it was tense, emotional, or just more fact-finding uh, from the Spurs uh, organization. But, man, this is a weird one, Karan. You know, and coming from an organization that, generally speaking, doesn't deal with any type of drama. It, listen, that's why it's so crazy because San Antonio never has or had any controversy that came out of there. The, only, the biggest controversy you ever seen from the San Antonio Spurs was Tim Duncan sitting out or the starting – Five of the guys, whether it's Tim Duncan, Mano Ginobili, Tony Parker, they're, they're they're resting. And you're like, why? Why? Why is Pop doing this? Because he, you know, he's some type of genius, some mad scientist that just understands the analytics of you know resting guys and getting them prepared for the marathon of the playoffs. But now it's tough because they're so enclosed with their information, and they try to keep everything in house. So the only thing that you see that comes out. The, the slow leaks is, look, they had a players-only meeting, which Danny Green had circled back and said, look, it wasn't just about Kawhi Leonard. It was about us, you know, making a push to, you know, make the playoffs because they're in a, they're in a tough spot right now. Lost LaMarcus Aldridge for a couple games. They slipped a couple games. And all of a sudden, they're, they're fighting for their playoff lives. And they need their best player out there, but they need them healthy. And if you're pop, you're looking at big picture. Can we really compete with Houston, OKC, better yet, the Golden State Warriors? Because that's what it's going to come down to. Mm-hmm. Or even the Minnesota Timberwolves. Can we beat them in a seven-game series? I don't think so. So I, I think point of emphasis is, look, our superstar, Kawhi Leonard, we, we he probably came back a little bit too soon. Now he has his own doctors. He has his own guys who he got evaluated by, second opinion. He wants to come back on his terms. He's been cleared by their doctors. But, you know, it's about feeling comfortable enough to step on that court because you don't want any more setbacks and mishaps. And we just seen that with one of the brightest stars in the game is Steph Curry. Okay, you say, you say, though, that the Spurs, Danny Green, say it wasn't, that meeting wasn't, uh, about Kawhi Leonard. Here's Tony Parker uh, when asked about the meeting and talking about Kawhi. I've been through it. It was a rehab for me too for eight months, you know, so same kind of injury. Uh, my mind was a hundred times worse, but the same kind of injury and uh, just try to stay positive. So when I did my injury, 48 hours I was in surgery. I didn't take like two weeks and go uh, through options and stuff like that. For me, it was a no-brainer because I feel like we have the best uh, medical team uh, in the world. Okay, that answer, Karan, was in defense of the, the Spurs medical team and what they're doing with Kawhi, but I thought it was interesting that he says, my injury was 100 times worse. Uh, what did you think of what Parker said? I, I, I'm amazed that Tony can hop into Kawhi's body and know exactly how he feels. Mm-hmm. Because, listen, it's different strokes for different folks. You know, I had a patella tendon rupture. My, my knee, told my, it blew out. Nothing. 2011. And I was able to come back probably nine months. And I had certain guys that told me over their career, look, it took me almost two years 
to even get the feeling in my 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 knee and have the explosiveness and things like that back. I was like, yo, I was back in nine months. Listen, some people heal differently. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 just different. So nobody knows really how you feel, but that's Tony being a great company guy, stepping out and just saying, look, I got seniority here. He still wants to play another couple years, and you know the way that you get more years and you preserve your career is by being great, a, a great person in the locker room because the production will not be on the court no more. So he has to do the things that they need him to do: say the right things, be the great endorser, and that's what he's doing. He's stepping out there and protecting what they've built, the titles, the the the, the camaraderie, the the winning atmosphere, and things that you know him and Tim and Mantle built over the years, look, we're protecting that. I'm staying by the organization. You mentioned, um, you, you know, the, the, what Pop, what's Pop thinking about how far they can go, right? Like, And you're right, because with Kawhi Leonard back at this point of the season, they're not on Houston's level. They're not on Golden State's level. They, they may be able to and probably would be able to get past uh, Minnesota, especially if Jimmy Butler's either banged up or not playing. But uh, when it comes to like guys like Ginobili and Parker, here's my question. I put this question to Chris Carter. I'll ask you the same thing. It, d- does a guy like Kawhi, does he owe it to a Ginobili who could be playing in the final year of his career to push himself to get back out there on the floor? Does he owe it to a Tony Parker who who is in his final years or maybe even year of his career to do the same thing? I mean, does he owe it to guys on his team to try to play through some pain uh, to try to get through the season? Hey, O is a great word. Yeah. Listen, I I feel like Kawhi owe it to the Leonard family to get as healthy as possible to do the right thing for him from a health standpoint where he's able to function and be the best version of himself on and off the court for the remainder of his career. And I feel like people don't understand that he's he's done so much He's become one of the best two-way guys in all of basketball. He's respected by his peers. And if Kawhi is not on the court, something isn't right. And I don't know what it is. We're all trying to figure that out. But if he's not on the court, something's not right. This this guy is a champion. He's a, he's a finals MVP. He loves playing the game of basketball. Don't talk much. Coming out of shell, lightweight. You see him in the Jordan commercials and things like that. He's coming out. But – He's a competitor. And when you're accustomed to being accustomed to going out to compete at the highest level, you do, you can't just turn that off. Something isn't right with him from a health standpoint, and something probably isn't right with him, you know, in the organization. And they need to smooth some things out, and they will. But like Pop said, I had the Denver game with him a couple weeks ago doing with players only, and he has said, look, you know, Kawhi, we don't know when he's coming out. We're – we're acting as if going forward he's not returning because as a coach he's saying, look, I just got to prepare with what I have. I got to build these young guys up. I got to uh, make sure that Mano's healthy. I got to worry about his health. Paul, I got to manage minutes. If Kawhi comes back, great. If not, we're going to battle with what we have. Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, Karan Butler, two-time NBA, two-time NBA All-Star, NBA champion here on Fox Sports Radio. A lot more coming up next, especially including 
some other injuries that could impact the playoffs on in the NBA in the next couple of weeks. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, two-time NBA All-Star Karan Butler, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, so Karan, once again, we're talking injuries. That sucks. <laughs> I don't like talking injuries at the end of an NBA season. But Steph Curry, he's got a grade 2 MCL sprain. Kyrie Irving had a minor procedure, the Celtics are saying, to clean out uh, some uh, a wire that was in there back in 2015. Uh, more significant injury to you? I, listen, I would have to say Kyrie just because it was a surgery. You know, with Steph, you, you know, I, I've had injuries like that before where – you know, you had an MCL sprain, and, you know, it's all about just time. It's all about time, about feel. It's about healing. It's about controlling the, the inflammation, the swelling, things like that. You know, it's, it's focusing on your balance, your strength, and he has time. You know, they're going to be around, like, they're going to get out the first round. Mm. As a symbol, as long as Clay Thompson comes back healthy and able to shoot it, if he got one of his hands, he's, he's good. So if he's able to shoot the ball and do some things and guys step up, you know, they, they make it to the Western Conference Finals, but they're definitely going to need Steph Curry at that point. But when you look at Kyrie Irving in his situation, it first of all, he had to get a second opinion. And, you know, that that's, that's when my alarm went off. You know, I'm like, oh, oh, wow, it's a little more serious than what we expected. And then – having talked to Coach Brad Stevens and seeing his concern as well going forward, talking, you know, we have to play bigger. We we, we lost smart. Uh, Jalen Brown's probably going to come back sometime on this road trip, but Kyrie is super questionable. Um, going forward, you just don't know. You just don't know what his health looks like going forward for the Boston Celtics. So it's – it's, it's trying times for them, and they, they've been hit with the injury bug. You know, I, I'd say this. Um, the Celtics' chances of doing anything meaningful this postseason, to me, effectively ended when Daniel Tice went, was down for the season and Marcus Smart uh, most likely going to miss probably two rounds. Maybe he comes back middle of the second round, but that might be stretching it a little bit. When, when those injuries happened... Uh, I thought Boston was was done as an Eastern Conference contender, and, and for Boston, they're looking ahead to 2018. Karan, I mean, they they're, I mean, they, they'd love to make some noise this year, no question. But in 2018, if everybody's healthy, and one thing about that Kyrie surgery was that they made it pretty clear in the release that the the, the broken kneecap had healed, the everything that the surgery was meant to fix, it fixed. This was about removing a wire there that was causing some irritation, and as long as that's still the case in 2018. Boston goes into the season, I think, as the favorite to win the Eastern Conference because Hayward's back. They're going to have Tatum and Brown a year older. Kyrie's only going to be 26 years old. They're the favorite next year. With with Steph, you know, we talked about the Spurs last segment. If Steph has to miss the first round, take this hypothetical. If Steph has to miss the first round and they have to play San Antonio with Kawhi Leonard back in the first round, what do you think of that series? I mean... I still feel that Golden State is good enough to win that series because of the pace of the the pace of the game. And 
Listen, Kawhi is just not going to come back in rare form. Like, he haven't been You're playing right. no basketball. Timing, rhythm, flow is everything. And if it's true that all these, you know, small conversations and these fires that everyone claiming that the Spurs have with, you know, Kawhi, the, the, the chemistry isn't going to be there. You know, even though, you know, he's a hell of a player and he's going to be amazing, it's still going to, you know, when the chemistry isn't right or the energy isn't right, the one thing that you know with winning basketball and winning culture that the energy has to be right. Mm -hmm. So that's important. But I totally agree with you with the Boston Celtics. I think they're all in for next season. I think help is key. I think they're real legitimate contender things went out the window when Hayward went down. Yes. You know, because no matter how good they was, they wasn't going to be good enough to get beat. It's still it's still LeBron's conference. It's, the Eastern Conference is still the LeBron Invitational, and it's going to be that for some time until someone steps up and show that they're able to, you know, compete with them at a high, high level for six games and then push it to seven where anything can happen. Oh, we can fight about this later, but next year, Boston – Assuming everybody's healthy and, and Hayward doesn't have any lingering effects, that it doesn't take him forever to kind of get back into the mix, that's a team that can not only win the East, but they can win the whole thing. They can win the whole thing next year, Karan, because I've seen them and how they play top-tier Western Conference teams. They beat Golden State this year and gave them hell in Golden State. They've beaten Houston once in Boston and gave them hell down in Houston about a month ago. They just walked into Portland one of the hottest teams in basketball, and beat the Blazers with a skeleton crew. Brad Stevens has some kind of game plan. Whatever his game plan is or whatever it is that Boston does, it works against these Western Conference teams. You just called the game where Boston beat the Thunder. Boston had no business in that game beating the Thunder. That's how well they play against these top-tier Western Conference teams. Hey, listen, I'm not going to say that you know they all world just because they beat the Thunder. I mean, listen. <laughs> how about the Blazers? They had a little bit of help. We were talking about you know, what happened with Florida State and, you know, how certain things you, ha you need a little bit of luck. I mean, how many times you're going to have Carmelo Anthony step to the free throw line you're right. and miss not one but two free throws? Like, when does that happen? Like, I'm going to tell you. Listen to Leonard Hamilton. Listen, I did I, – I had the post game, and I had ten questions in my head that I wanted to ask Russell Westbrook. Mm. Not until five seconds before the horn went off, I had to switch my whole train of thought and, and – and, and ask Morris the questions on being in the moment of knocking down the big shot. So that just goes to show you, look, even though we was right there and we're true basketball heads, no one had no idea what was going to happen that game. No, you're right. You're right. Marcus Morris, big Walking Dead fan. I don't know if you know that about Marcus. Loves the Walking Dead. We have, we have a good frank discussion about it every, uh, every Monday whenever I see him at games. That was a huge Loves shot. Himself. That was a moment. <laughs> that was a moment for him. He's played great, too. Not just a throw-in either in the uh, – the uh, Avery Bradley deal. All right, we're going to have much more coming up next hour. We'll talk a little more college basketball. I want to get into the Cavaliers, too. The LeBron Invitational. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Hour two of the program. Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports. Karan Butler, two-time NBA champion, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Hour one of the books, Karan. How'd you think it went? Went good, brother. Yeah, I'm with you. Get back and forth. Good, A uh, couple of good arguments there. We just need to argue about more stuff in the future, which brings me to what oh, I wanted to get into man. next. Set you said something. You said something the last segment, and that uh, I wrote it down right away once you said it. You oh. called the Eastern Conference 
for the, the I don't know, I, I'm going to paraphrase you here, for, for the immediate future, the LeBron Invitational. And, and this is where I, I, I can't agree with you. I can't. Because I have this argument with, you know, Brian Scalabrini, who I talk to a lot over at uh, NBC Sports Boston, uh, with other NBA players and former NBA players like yourself, who, who just continue to believe that that the problems the Cavs have won't be as big a problem when they get to the playoffs. And LeBron is playing at a superhuman level. I'll give you that. He, he, he's unreal. I saw him play live in Portland uh, about a week and a half ago. Tremendous offensive performance. But defensively, they're bad. They give up 79 points in the first half against Toronto. That's bad. I don't see how, just because the calendar turns to mid-April, that this Cavs team gets it all together and just rolls through a Boston the second round or a Toronto in the conference finals, particularly when the Raptors, who have only six losses at home, are going to have home court advantage in that series. Am I wrong? Am I wrong to think that that this is this very easily could be the year that the LeBron Invitational ends. Okay, that, that that's great. Like, we, look, we had these same discussions over the last, let's say, all right, last nine nine to ten years. We we're always talking about, oh, you know, LeBron. You know, the team don't look right. The rhythm is distorted. You know, Ty Lue is out now, and whatever the the situation is. He does an excellent job of managing his comrades, the personalities, getting them to buy into the concept of being that they are going to be a better version of themselves going forward. Like it's almost like he creates the adversity and then get them through it where they're battle tested during the regular season. And then all of a sudden, they put on this amazing display of you know, just championship pedigree, and they run through the Eastern Conference. It happens time and time again. So this is why I call it the LeBron James Invitational. Eight finals. Eight out the last ten. That that, that is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about other teams or who else been there in the Eastern Conference, like, name, name a team. Like, who was who a – realistic threat like right now we're already talking about all right look next year boston's gonna be really 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 good yeah they win the east next year that's that's uh, me see, but look we're we're all <laughs> so who are we giving the east to this year look the, people yeah. are gonna look at that toronto game I, 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 hold up okay who, who are we giving the east to toronto. this year toronto wow Toronto. Are Give you willing to, to Toronto. put you're willing to put your bottom dollar on that? I will put my bottom dollar, whatever that's worth. It's worth less than your bottom dollar, I'm sure. <laughs> but I'll put my bottom dollar Yay. on that. Man, look, it's you know, the, I watching that Raptor Cavs game the other night, I got a little concerned watching the Raptors devolve offensively. They, they kind of went back, you know, DeRozan didn't have it going that last six minutes, so they kind of went back to force feeding him shots. Then it was force feeding Lowry shots, but but that's and, and they know that's not going to work. But I look at that maybe as being kind of an aberration because all season long they have been a good three point shooting team. All season long they have been a spread the wealth offense. All season long that bench of nobodies, a bunch of guys drafted late first round. In the case of Fred Van Vliet, undrafted altogether, who have been making plays for this team. And I go back to the home court. You know the Raptors are so good on their home floor. 
I just don't believe that Cleveland, with that defense, walks into Toronto and wins a game. I don't see it happening that the Raptors beat him this year. Hey, listen. I I want to believe that. I, I really do. But if I'm looking at the dominance of LeBron and the way that he performs against teams that he just know that he can figure out a way and crack the code and beat them. Like, you, like when you look at a team that's going to face LeBron, like, what player is going to put LeBron in a situation in which it's going to be a wash at that position? None. Exactly. Maybe Kevin Durant when you get that, to the finals. That, that's the only way Golden State was able to consistently know that, you know what, if we go six or seven games, we still realistically going to win this game because if LeBron scores 30, 35, and have his – you know, his monster performances in the finals where he's 35, 16, and 12 or something like that. KD is KD is going to offset that by doing his own demonstration of being efficient, shooting 60%, going right back at him. So that performance is a wash. And then now you have Steph Curry. Now you have Klay Thompson. Now you have Draymond Green. Now you have Sean Livingston. Now you have all these others that can get you over the hump Smooth sailing. I don't see that in the Eastern Conference where you have someone that can offset LeBron because he has, he's so dominant where he can actually go out there and just beat your five. Mm. Like you look at Toronto, like a great performance from DeMar DeRozan will be in the playoffs will be 27, 6, 5, or 35, 6, because he got to distribute the ball, four rebounds, couple steals. And then Kyle Lowry got to distribute the ball. He has to be efficient. He has to move the ball around, knock down shots, you know, be the general out there. So 16-7 or 19-7-3 and and or whatever the case may be, that's a solid performance. And then Serge Ibaka is going to be a catch-and-shoot guy, defensive presence. LeBron James can actually two-for-one them with his performance, where he can just go 35 or 40, 12 rebounds, and eight assists or whatever the case may be, and pretty much outperform their their big three. So now you have Kevin Love and others for the Cleveland Cavaliers that's stepping up and just being normal and doing their role to get them over the hump. In Cleveland, uh, yeah, in uh, sorry, in Toronto on January 11th, the Raptors won 133 to 99. At that point, worst loss of the season for the Cavs. They won by 34 points. And, and Karan, that was a game that LeBron James played in, played uh, pretty well, 26 in that game. Kevin Love was healthy in that game. Jeff Green played in that game. Now, this was pre-trades, right? This was before they shook up the roster and, and moved Isaiah Thomas out, moved George Hill, among others, in. But the, the difference between the, the Cavs teams of years past that you're talking about, to me, it boils down to Kyrie Irving. Because LeBron didn't have to expend as much energy as he did on the offensive end of the floor, or does, rather, on the offensive end of the floor, because Kyrie's there. And defensively, look, LeBron is having a magnificent offensive year, but the reason I'm voting, and I'm already lock, stock, and barrel voting for James Harden, is because LeBron is having one of the worst defensive seasons I've ever seen him play. In Portland, I saw him make a half dozen of the worst defensive uh, uh, plays that I've seen any player make all season long. And he gets away with it, and he should to some degree, because of the load he has to carry on the offensive end of the floor. So 
are you just going to believe that that defense is not going to get blitzed for a buck 33 by the Raptors in the playoffs when they already did? Are we just going to expect to buy that that LeBron is going to be able to be a lockdown defender every possession in the playoffs? These are these are questions that that I, that I just don't believe are answerable based on what I've seen. LeBron James is preserving himself for the playoffs. He is, no question. That's, that's exactly what he's doing. He's preserving himself for the marathon of the season in He's a guy that been there, know the road, has the map. He can get there blindfolded. He knows how to get to the finals. So when you look at – this is a thing that I hope our listeners are really understanding. Mm-hmm. Confidence is everything. Like, for instance, the Houston Rockets believe that they can beat anyone. That's that's confidence. Like, that's not foolish pride going like, look, hey, I, I hope – you know, if this happened, this happened, that happened, we can be – no, they actually went out there and with their certain lineup with Chris Paul, Capella, and all those guys healthy, hard, they like, look, we we can beat anyone, anyone on the planet. We can beat them with our five. We're deep enough. We have the coach. Like, we can go on the road. We can get a quality win. I don't think Toronto feel the same way about the Cleveland Cavaliers. You don't see that confidence. Come on, regular season in the LeBron James era – Toronto Raptors against the Cleveland Cavaliers, 39-9 and record. 8-2 mm. and two in the playoffs. Come on. Like, where, where, do you, where do you pull that confidence from? It, look, it's the same story. Just like we look at the Marvel films and we look at Spider-Man. Look, I know Peter Parker uncle going to die. <laughs> no matter what happened, I know it's going to happen. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that. Like, look, I, I I know, like, I know ET gonna be on the bike going over the moon. Like, I know these things gonna happen when I watch these movies already. It's the remakes. Like, look, I already know the end to the story. What we gotta do is just convince you all season long, and it's unfortunate that this may be the year that you can dethrone LeBron James in the Eastern Conference. I see a different confidence though, Karan, in Toronto this year. I do. I see a a confidence. That comes from a season of success, a confidence that comes from a changed offense, a confidence that comes from a maybe a sense of a slight sense of desperation or an understanding, I guess the better word, that this is probably going to be their best chance to knock off uh, Cleveland and get to a finals because I think they probably know what Boston could be next year and they see the vulnerability in Cleveland this year. And the other, the last part of the confidence that comes for the cap for the Raptors is that these bench guys are better than what they had last year. They're a deeper team. They're a more energetic team. They're a better shooting team. They're just a better team overall. And I get the sense being around Toronto a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit that they have a, a confidence this year that they didn't have in years past. I, look, you, you make unbelievable points. But when you're when when you're in the thick of it, just like Mike Tyson said, everybody got a plan until they get hit. Mm. And when that <laughs> happens, you have to react and respond on the fly. Just like Coach said, you know, Coach Leonard. What 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 did, what, what did Leonard Hamilton say? Look, I, what, what are you talking about? I didn't I I didn't know what what, what like it, it. We lost our train of thought, and that's what happens in basketball games when you're up against greatness, where you're giving your best and someone else's best is just a little bit better. You realize that. And LeBron's tapped into that over and over and over again in the Eastern Conference.
It's Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, Karan Butler, Fox Sports Radio. You heard Karan mention the Leonard Hamilton comments, the game last night, the only one with any drama. Uh, that was Florida State against Michigan. A perplexing decision by Leonard Hamilton and Florida State. Want to get into that next? It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, what are you talking about? Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer was built to save you time and money by allowing you to compare multiple quote options all online. So head to Progressive.com today and see if you can save. It's Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star, NBA champion, Fox Sports Radio. Loyola Chicago, they head to the Final Four. I want to talk some about them, but the only game with any drama last night was Florida State against Michigan. Four, uh, I should say 13 seconds left. Florida State down by four, and they elect not to foul in that situation. Leonard Hamilton, here's what he was asked after the game. Coach, take me through the final seconds of this game. Why didn't you guys foul? All right, so that's the question he was asked, Karan Butler. Is that a legitimate question based on what you saw at the end of that game? Hey, listen, I'm standing up to talk to you right now. <laughs> yes. Yes, like we're talking about being in the moment. Like, I don't understand how people want you to channel your emotions in that situation. Like, it, it is what it is. It's like, look. In hindsight, we talked about it. Everything's twenty twenty, but in that moment, in that situation, it's 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 hard to gather that. You know what I mean? Like it, and, and I felt like it was just too fresh. Like he wasn't ready. He's still probably not prepared to answer that question right now. Like that's well, something he had to look at film. He had to dissect it and be like, all right, maybe she had a great point. Well, it, but come on, come on, come on. You have to look at film to decide if. You, I mean, those are situations that that you, as an NBA player, in your in your your prime knew exactly like could you imagine yourself put yourself in a, and, and look i'm not blaming the players because i find it I, I don't jump too hard up and down on 18 19 20 year old kids in those situations but in, in that situation karan if you're out there on the floor don't you reflexively go and foul yeah you know you do but in the moment sometimes things just don't happen that's why they that's, that's why they always say look you got to have a lot of competent smart guys out there on the court you got to have you know, a little bit of luck. You got to have things happen because sometimes in the moment, things just don't happen that line up for you to be the better version of yourself collectively as a team, as a coach, as a, you know, some things you just might miss and you're, you're kicking yourself in the butt for it today, all summer, during the recruiting process. What did we miss? How, you're trying to get that moment back. So it's frustrating for him as a coach. And then at the same time, you don't want to just say, look, because you always tell players, right, if it come down to something where a defensive play is missed, you don't want to say, look, even though we all know because, you know, we're watching the game, hey, look, it's his fault. Like He didn't cut off the baseline. The guy went baseline, scored the ball. It's that player's fault that we lost the game. But you don't want to say that because it's a whole bunch of things that happened during the duration of that game, that led to you guys losing. So he's okay, so not going to take all that. He's not going to take that big hit. Oh, okay. Look, don't look. By all means, of course, do not blame the players. A, a coach, you know, er, earns points and takes and is supposed to take heat by blaming himself. So you would think that the answer to that question that we just heard to Leonard Hamilton would be, "My bad. I screwed up. We made a mistake. Should have fouled." No, no, no. Here was the answer. Uh, what are you talking about? 
down the stretch there, the end of the game, the final seconds, 11 seconds left on the clock. Do you think that the game came down to the final seconds of the game? I'm asking you, though, why that decision in the final seconds of the game? The game was over. You didn't think your guys could get back in it, put them on the line you if they miss those shots? I mean, but 15 seconds of the clock, what were we down? Put them on the line, they miss a few shots. Coach, a four-point ball game, it's a question that, that the guys were asking at the end of our game. That's all I'm asking. It didn't come down to that in your mind. Of course it came down to that. Of course it did. Leonard Hamilton, Karan, is a 69-year-old man who has been in coaching for all of his adult life. And he's surprised by that question. Where I push back on you is that this didn't happen on the floor. This was 10, 15 minutes after the game, after he had already addressed his team. And Karan, you've played for dozens of coaches in your career. You know that coaching 101 in that situation is saying, is taking it on yourself. Take the blame, especially if you're the coach of college kids. Say you screwed up, you didn't put it, you you didn't uh, uh, make the right call in that situation, and then everybody moves on. If he had just said that, you and I on national radio would not be sitting here talking about that idiot answer right as we are today. I agree. He should have said, "Hey, I, you know what? That I I need to evaluate that. Maybe I, I should have called a timeout, or I should have filed. I should have did something." Like, and you take ownership of that. But he didn't. And I'm telling you why he didn't. Because you don't want to say it came down to the last possession and it was my fault. But he should have. He should have said, look, I didn't use my best judgment in that moment. God, I feel bad for my guys. They fought for me all season long. All right. We, We can live with that, coach. Hey, man. Man, I feel bad. These guys are warriors. My guys, I feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. We 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 got to regroup in this. Get ready for next year. We we're not done yet. We'll be back next year. Looking forward to that moment again. Yeah, and, and he didn't do that. He just stood there. <laughs> he just stood there and was condescending. Look, I don't know Leonard Hamilton. He could be a great guy. In that moment, he was a condescending jackass. He just was. He was looking down at Dana Jacobson, and I'm not going to sit here and say it was sexist or anything like that. Maybe he would have done it if you were asking the question or if I were asking the question. But I would imagine, Karan, you've had some time now as a sideline reporter, that would have been your first or one of your first questions, right? Like that, you would have asked that question. You know what, Chris, I would have gave him 30 minutes. I would have gave him a chance to cool off because, you know, in real time, you always want to know the real, but at the same time, what's understood don't need to be said. You understand that, look, he messed up in that moment. So do you really want to ask that question in that moment, or do you want to give him a chance to kind of really evaluate the situation and then say, all right, coach, what happened? He was like, you know what, man, I, I I I wish I could get that moment back. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like all, all right, cool. Like we we understand. Coach, we're human. Everybody understands it. We gets it. Everybody get it and we move forward. You've been Karan in in millions of huddles. I would imagine because I've 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 sort of sat in on my fair share there. I would imagine that before a play like that is called or you know in in the possessions before that you are told as a player what to do if a shot doesn't go in, right? I mean, a coach will sit there and tell you, say, if we miss, we foul right away. I mean, that's where I think he messed up. I'm guessing here, because we don't have a lot of information, but I'm guessing here that Leonard Hamilton did not make it clear to his team that in that particular circumstance, you foul. 
And because of that, these kids kind of stood there. They saw the clock winding down. They were probably demoralized by the miss. That's where I think Leonard Hamilton screw up, and he wouldn't own up to it. Just own up to it, Leonard, and we'll let it go. People make mistakes, but don't sit down there and ask like it's an idiot question. It's not an idiot question. It is a fair one. It was a great question. It really was. But that's that's what that's what the, the small huddles in the last minute of the games is all about. That's what the, the last timeout is all about, where you're talking about situations. And, and after you leave the timeout where you address with the coach, it's another gathering before the horn goes off with the, just the players on the court where you're talking about, okay, look, we got to stop right here. You know, this is what we're going to do next. All right, look for it, man. We're going to try to push the pace real quick. Coach got a timeout left. No, we ain't got no timeout. Like you're talking mm-hmm. about these things amongst each other just in case so everybody's like the synapses is firing and everybody's on the same page. Like that's what you're hoping and wishing for. But in a it's everything's not perfect. It's not gonna it's not gonna play out like that. And that's exactly what you saw with Florida State yesterday. Yeah. All right. Chris Maddox, Karan Butler, two time NBA All Star, NBA champion, Fox Sports Radio. So Karan, ESPN trolled us all with a top twenty most dominant athlete list. So of course we're going to get into it. But first, let's check in with David Gascon with the latest. What's up, David? Gentlemen, good morning. How are both of you? Excellent. Good, good, good. Well, welcome to the party. We get things going in the NBA first off. Cavaliers are taking on the Nets. We got some morning ball out here on the West Coast. LeBron James up to his same old tricks. He's got eight points, five rebounds, and a couple dimes early on. Cowboys lead the Nets 19-16. to The Nets game count as real basketball? Is that is that real now? Well, I, we're talking to a couple of the guys in the back, and we're hoping, like, maybe J.R. Smith mucks it up with somebody just to, like, make this game okay. a little intriguing. You are fake news. I mean, a little <laughs> bit, right? I mean, nothing too harmful. Um, Atlanta Hawks battling the Houston Rockets today. Rockets have won eight games in so, a row. Sorry, even better basketball. Yeah, I'm going to bow out here. <laughs> <laughs> One note in this with the Rockets, like an eight-game winning streak, but Chris Paul's not expected to play because of a bad hamstring. So we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, a couple injury concerns with Kyrie Irving and, of course, Steph Curry from just yesterday. A couple notes in the National Football League. Plenty of talk with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. GM Kevin Goldberg has a couple of things he needs to, I guess, put to bed. Le'Veon Bell's contract right now is on hold at contract negotiations. And also, they're pondering the thought of Bud Dupree, their linebacker. He's got a fifth-year option that's coming up for 2019. If they pick up that option, it'll be just over $9 million. Then circling back to college basketball, Elite Eight continues today. Three-seed Texas Tech, number one seed in Villanova. Tip-off time is at 2.20 Eastern. And then following that one at 5.05 Eastern, one-seed Kansas battling the two-seed, the Duke Blue Devils. All right, it's Chris Caron, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Maddox, Karan Butler, two-time NBA All-Star, NBA champion. So, Karan, ESPN has their top 20 most dominant player list. I've got some news for you. You came in at number 21. You were right there. God! Just missed. Jesus. Just, just whiffed at the bottom of that. But, of course, these, these dominance rankings, as they like to call them there. Let me just read first. I don't expect anybody to understand this, but for the sake of posterity will read how they put together this list it says they rated the sports athletes in each of the last 20 regular seasons by the best single performance metric available adjusted these ratings to normalized athlete scores in each sports across time all right i just stopped caring i don't care anymore it's a dominant 20 list that they're putting together number one Quran is tiger woods number 20 is is uh, tom brady as you look down this list any issues with their dominant 20? Hey, listen, I got a lot of issues. And look, <laughs> look, I always go off the eye test. And what is this 
methodology. Like what? Is, I don't what know. Metrics and, and and everybody's just look, man. Nerd look, talk. Look, I'm I'm crumbling this thing up. I'm, I'm not looking at this no more. <laughs> but what I would do is I, I don't see Kobe Bryant on there. I don't see a guy that you know dominated the game, uh, five championships. It that that was just glaring at me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, MVP 2011-2014, Super Bowl champ, six-time Pro Bowl. I mean, he's he's amazing, and obviously I'm a cheesehead, so I mm-hmm. I had to go go Relax. that way. But if you if you look at Tom Brady as well, though, like, come on, man, twenty? How was he seventeen back of Peyton Manning? How is Tom Brady seventeen spots back of Peyton Manning? I don't get that at all. I, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to put this together and. With my methodology, it, it just don't add up. By the way, who the hell is Marta? I don't, I don't know who Marta is. I don't, <laughs> who? I don't know who Marta is. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was a troll too. Like who is Marta? I don't know who that person. Never is. Never heard of him. Never, never, never did. My big one of my big issues, Karan, was uh, your pal Floyd Mayweather because Floyd Floyd is 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 arguably the best defensive fighter over the last. 50 years, though Pernell Whitaker, I think, gives him a run for his money. But what this doesn't take into account, and and, and please, Leonard Ellaby, don't be listening and call me, but the, what does, this doesn't take into account is kind of the, the cherry-picking that Floyd did over the last 10 years of his career. Because after De La Hoya, he was very selective with who he fought. It wasn't that he was not fighting good fighters, but it was you know Ricky Hatton moving up from 140 pounds. It was Miguel Cotto at the back end of his career. It was Manny Pacquiao, probably seven years past when he should have fought, or at least five years past when he should have fought Manny Pacquiao. I just, I know Floyd's the most successful, the biggest name, but I don't have Floyd in my like. I, on looking at this, like if you're gonna go back twenty years, that puts you at what, like uh, two thousand, uh, nineteen ninety eight. I might put Roy Jones on this list before I put Floyd Mayweather Quran because Roy, even though if you're going back just uh, you know twenty years, you'd only give him like a seven year window from ninety eight to like oh three before he tailed off. Roy was the best boxer in the world uh, during that stretch, so I don't put Floyd in that top ten. Y'all must have forgot. Forgot Roy Jones. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Listen, <laughs> how good he was. Yeah, Roy was unbelievable, but at the same time, I I I have to. Give it to you know Floyd Mayweather. He he deserves to be in that top ten. You know you look at his dominance and people say that, you know he's picking certain fighters to fight, and we can we can go all the way to like forty one wins, right? Yeah, forty one wins, and then probably the last nine to ten was probably questionable the timing of it. But come on, he that still would have put him where on your all time list? Say. Uh- I don't. I don't consider losses that big a deal. So Sugar Ray Robinson's number one on my list. All right. So he's still in the top five, no matter what, right? No, all time. No, God, no. Where Where you got top, him? Top twenty five, probably all time. Oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good good fighter, great defensive fighter, but I mean, look, think about it this way. I that's mean, the, that's the problem. Like this. This is what I got a problem with in in that, that narrative you just said right there. It, okay. It, great defensive fighter. Do you fight to get hit? No. Like, that's the prop. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, people always say, well, he's a good fighter, but he don't be throwing them things. Like, he don't be just, like, throwing the blows. Like, like, do you supposed to step in the ring and be a calculated risk guy where you can just dissect someone by beating them with your IQ? Or do you supposed mm-hmm. to be a 
a brawler where you just just everything bombs over Baghdad and and it, you know if I get hit I get hit if I fall out I fall like you're trying to preserve yourself and win the fight. He understands how to score. He know how to win rounds, and he do it in a flashy way, where he just you know goes about his business. He picks up his seventy million dollar check at the end of the day. He collects the gate. He gets on his jet, and mm-hmm. he has a party. <laughs> he does like, do that. Why? why like he does it better than just about anyone. No, look, Karan, you you can I agree with you that everything he's done over the last ten years makes a ton of sense for him. Look, he's the I don't know how much money he has right now, but when he was walking away from it, he was making, you know, he was making $100 million, $200 million a fight. That's unheard of uh, for any athlete, especially all these athletes that are on this list. But, you know, you and I were like, you know, four or five years old when the, the, the four kings were in their prime back in the 1980s. Would you favor Mayweather over Sugar Ray Leonard? Would you favor him over Tommy Hearns? Would you favor him over uh, Roberto Duran? I mean, w- would you favor him over any of these guys? All I know is Floyd never lost a fight. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. That's, that's like, I don't all care. I know. Like, look, this is this is what we this is what we do. Like in any sport, whether it's basketball, whether it's boxing, whether it's football, we always compare like the end game. Like we're not talking about what he what he or she had to go up against in the times. Like we're not talking about what Muhammad Ali had to go through and the adversity he had to face off the court. And, like, he's probably considered the greatest in the GOAT mm-hmm. of all sports because of what he had to go up against. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're just talking about what I'm really diving into at the end of the day. The bottom line is Floyd's undefeated. Yeah, but Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali took on all comers. Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Robinson, I think, fought Jake LaMotta six times in his career. Like, these guys took on all comers. My biggest issue with Floyd Curran is that he never – did that. He never just brazenly took on all comers. I don't care about the style that he fought. I care about the fact that there were fights directly in front of him. Good fights that he would not fight because the money wasn't right or the circumstances weren't right. That's what separates him from Ali, from Robinson, and to me, from at least Leonard and Hagler in those 1980s uh, guys. What what separates him is that he, he afforded the right to dictate the fight that he wanted to take. That's that's a that's a art and a skill in its own set. Like people probably be saying, like, yeah, yeah, Chris got a real point right there. He did dodge a couple people, but he he was on the pedestal where he had the the opportunity to say, you know what, you're not worthy of me fighting you. You're you're not ready yet. I can I can dodge you, or I can I can pick if choose who I want to fight and when I want to fight him. I can fight him right here at Fox Sports. I can fight him here at Staples Center. I can fight him in the TD Garden. That's that's what's been so amazing about him. He's changed the game forever. And look, I, I agree with you, but we're having two separate discussions here. I we're know saying it's my that job, Chris. That's it's, all I'm it's no, but it's it's <laughs> you're saying good, like I agree that Floyd did everything right. If I was Floyd Mayweather and I could make that type of money doing what I did, I absolutely would follow that path. But we, we began this discussion talking about the most dominant athletes of their time. And Floyd, to me, doesn't belong at number eight on this list because he didn't take on the challenges that the other athletes did. I mean, Floyd is ranked four spots. Lose Serena Williams as an example. Maybe the most dominant women's tennis player ever. Serena Williams, to me, is a far more dominant athlete than Floyd Mayweather is because she had to face all comers. Same thing with Novak Djokovic, who's down there. You can throw Bonds on that list. Uh, Brady, of course, on that list. There are a lot of guys 
that took on all the, ch- the best challenges and, and earned that right to be on this list. Floyd, you can never say, always took on the toughest challenge. I don't, I don't think he dodged people for 20 years. They dodged Pacquiao for five, like five All right, okay, years. all right, you got five years right there. But you, you're talking about 15 years definitely of dominance of Floyd, Pretty Boy, Mayweather. Like, you still got to respect. Pretty over- Boy was dominant. Pretty yeah. Boy was dominant. Yeah, I'll so, give you that. Yeah, so over the 20 years, like, you look at who you're going to give it to. You, you, I mean, even if you look at the era before that, all right, we're going a little outside the box. But think about Oscar De La Hoya. Was he, mm-hmm. was he the top? Of his of his era, of, uh, yeah. or was that? So we yeah, he, at twenty five years. So you put Oscar in it, in right? Oscar was at the time, you know, probably a five six year stretch was the best fighter in boxing. Yeah. Okay, five six year stretch, but I mean, how long did that last? We're talking twenty years of dominance. Yeah, it's, it, you, the the pretty boy Floyd. I I loved pretty boy Floyd beating Diego Corrales like. That guy, that guy was tough. It's just that after De La Hoya, he became money, and that became what it's all about. I don't begrudge a guy that. Do it. It's just that when it comes time to make the all-time list, you suffer for it, I think. You take a bit of a hit for it. I don't know. Who else in boxing, though, before we change the subject, who else in yeah. boxing would you give it to over the last uh, 20 years? 20 years, uh, best fighters. I think he and Pacquiao are much closer than, than they are on this list. Closer, but who you give it to? Uh, I'd have to think. I'd have to think. Wait Man, Pacquiao lose just because I saw Pacquiao shoot a jumper, and I lost all respect <laughs> for him. And I was out in Manila. I was like, yo, this, this is crazy. I went Filipino out to the leagues, yeah, baby. I was like, yo, Pacquiao, put it up. I lost all respect for you as a fighter because your coordination and your, just, your form is terrible. Can't <laughs> right. do it. It's Chris and Karan, Chris Maggs, Karan Butler, Fox Sports Radio. When we come back, we'll talk some basketball right here, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Mannix, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star NBA champion here with you. Got to get to Hooters and try the new smoked wings, a whole new way to crave wings. With all the taste and half the calories, you can eat twice as many. That's Hooters. Love a good Tom Petty song. Rest in peace, Tom Petty. Did you ever go to a Tom Petty concert, Karan? I, I did not. Not? Oh, you missed out. I love the, I love the groove, though. I love the music. He's good stuff, man. He was good. I mean... We were joking off the air that it's like Tom Petty passed away. Was sixty six years old. He went too young. But given the life that Tom Petty led leading up to that point, it's kind of surprising that you lived to sixty six. Anytime these rockers from like the seventies, eighties, nineties, like given the lifestyle they led, you're almost surprised when they get to a certain age. Hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good ad lib right there. I'm saying it's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Uh so I was out in Utah last week, Karan. What were you doing out to, there? I wanted to get a look at Donovan Mitchell. Oh, okay. See, uh, see uh, this uh, kid everybody's talking about. 13th overall pick in the draft, playing some uh, good basketball. Now, everybody out there has kind of anointed Ben Simmons as the rookie of the year. And, and I'm readily willing to admit that Ben Simmons has the higher ceiling of the two guys, Mitchell and, and Simmons. But I don't know if it's a wrap just yet. I really don't. I watched the game he played against San Antonio, and Mitchell had like 11 points in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. This kid, he's been great all season long. Like fourth game of the year, he had, I think it was 19 points. The uh, sixth game, it was like 22. Uh, Mid-December, he posted 41. So he has been a prolific scorer on maybe the biggest surprising team in the NBA this year. I'm not ready. As a voter, I'm telling you this. I'm not ready to hand it off to Ben Simmons just yet. Listen, I I said it should be a co-rookie of the year. Mm. 
and numerous reasons. But if you look at look, Ben Simmons is doing work, and they're yeah. currently standing at four or five in the Eastern Conference right now, give or take a game and a half, and they're playing exceptionally well, and he's a major, major part of that. His versatility, his sides, him. It what what's so amazing? People always say like what what you can't do and what you should develop, but why it is so amazing is that I don't think he shot maybe made three three pointers in 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 his college. Yeah, I'm career. looking that up right now. It's a handful. He's yeah. just not comfortable yet shooting beyond 15 and, feet. And, and, and people understood that. And then sitting out that year, like people feel like that gave him a head start because he was able to go around and, 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 and see how the NBA circuit is. But I also feel like it hindered him as well because it kind of put him behind the eight ball. He has not made a single three-pointer this year. 0 for 10, three-point wow. range. Wow. That's that's a, that's a moment. With, look, that's why, why I'm talking. Just let the church say amen, amen. So we're going <laughs> to continue to dive into this. So, like, I'm looking at his versatility and what he's been able to do and accomplish. Is simply amazing. His feel of the game is extremely special. But when you look at the Western Conference and you look at Spider, mm. you know, Donovan Mitchell was just playing exceptionally well. He's leading that ball club. Everyone counted him out. You got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff and, you know, them getting them guys to buy into just playing together and playing off him. And, you know, it's that's a tough pill to swallow when you have a rookie that's ready for that moment like that. And it, it put me in a remind it, – it, it, it reminds me of Dwayne Wade a lot where – but this kid can actually shoot the ball a little bit earlier than Dwayne from the field mm. with the jump shot. So, like, he shows flashes of a young flash. Let me ask – let me pivot back to Simmons for a second there because when you watch him play, I mean, is, is, is that three-point shot going to come? Like, is he going to become a serviceable three-point shooter? I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, you're talking about Wade with, with Mitchell, but, you know, Wade wasn't a three-point shooter for the early part of his career. Do, do you see Simmons becoming a a serviceable three-point shooter? True true hoop heads just get it. Like, you see LeBron James when he came in the league, everything was downhill, but it still is downhill. But because people key in on his strengths so much, on all his strengths, He's on the perimeter now. He's knocking down shots, and he's consistent. So now that opens up what? More real estate for him to go downhill and do these things. So like with Ben Simmons, I don't think, and it won't get addressed until the playoffs, as you saw with Giannis, the Greek freak last year, where people sat back and dared him to shoot the ball. Yeah, still not a three-point shooter at this yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, so that's the next phase, and I feel like that's something that hindered him. Like I love what he's doing. He's one of the bright spots of the NBA, but – his development is hindered because he fell in love with scoring the basketball. But that's another subject. We'll talk about that at some point. But I feel mm-hmm. like Ben Simmons is a guy that's going to continue to develop. And this playoff experience, this first go-around, is going to be super, super important for his development going does forward. It worry, does it worry you at all? I mean, one thing that's that is a red flag to me about Simmons is that he, he, he had all of last year off, right? And he was off his feet for a lot of it, but he was on his feet for some of it. And he still didn't develop a perimeter shot. Like, you have an entire year to just, if you can't run, just be able to work on that. Is that not a an issue? I think his, ma- his major thing was taking care of his temple and getting back 100%. Mm. Like, he's not thinking, okay, I need to get a jumper. Like, you know, he's like, I just need to get healthy. That's point of emphasis is get healthy. Get mm. back on the court, not get back on the court, shoot your jumper, and have this 
these things going well for you. It's to get back to what you love so you can be the best you possibly can be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he certainly got the potential. I mean, it, co-rookie of the year wouldn't bother me all that much. Uh, I'll say that. I think uh, Simmons has got the higher ceiling, but uh, Mitchell, the way he's played all season long in a Western conference is brutal. It's unreal. All right. We'll talk some more college basketball next. Loyola headed to the final four. Some, a couple more games this afternoon. It's Chris and Karan right here. Fox Sports Radio. Hour three of the program, Chris Mannix, two-time NBA champion, Karan Butler here with you, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate. Well, Karan, we're about 20 minutes away, Villanova, Texas Tech, a little bit later on, Duke and Kansas, and uh, one of the best games of the Elite Eight. This just feels to me, Karan, like the big boy side of the bracket. You've got you know, Villanova, which might be the best all-around team in the tournament. Offensively, they're dynamic. They go on runs against you. Then you got Duke and Kansas, one-two seeds in their bracket. Duke with the, maybe the best NBA prospect there in Marvin Bagley. I don't want to take away from what Loyola did, and we'll get into what Loyola's chances are in the Final Four. I want to get into the Michigan and Florida State game, particularly end of that game. But doesn't this feel to you like like where the men are playing right now, this side of the bracket? I mean, this is where the big names, this is exactly where the big names are at. You look at the traditional universities that's always in this space, and you're going to see, you know, obviously Duke and Kansas and Villanova, and you look at the competition, the guys that, well, teams that been in that situation, you look at the championship pedigree from the coaching staffs, you know, this is the side where everyone's like, wow, this this is like the, the Goliath side. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see what happened. Obviously, I, I don't have any favorite. It's wide open. Well, I think Texas Tech gets smacked today. I think they get beat up today. And I can be wrong. We could sit back here next week and you can call me an idiot, which I'll, I'll accept gladly. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You're my guy, man. We partners. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Look, I'm look. you can believe me. Look, as as the, the many times that I've uh, appeared on Dan Patrick's show and made horrible predictions, I have, I have no compunction about being uh, – uh, about being called out for them. I once predicted, and you remember this guy in your playing days, Karan, I once predicted Rafael Arojo, Arojo, I think I'm saying his name right, to be the rookie of the year. That was my prediction back in, like, 04, I want to say. Who is Whatever that? Draft class. <laughs> exactly. He went to Toronto. <laughs> he was, like, the kid Who? out of Spain. <laughs> and he went to Toronto, and he was terrible. It turned out he was, like, a bust in, like, four years. Wow. So I don't know what I'm talking about is what I'm saying. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I, I'm lost on that one. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to use Google right now. Find it. See, but that was like the maybe you were drafted what in '03? Was it 2002? 2002. So a couple years after you, this young kid from Spain, Rafael Rojo, came on, and uh, he was he was not good. I thought he was going to be good, and he was not so good. But that's just my way of saying that I could be wrong on this Texas Tech uh, Villanova prediction. But Villanova does look like the most complete team left in the tournament. Their coach is experienced. Uh, you know, they're great. But this is probably the better games uh, in the afternoon. But looking back on on the games uh, yesterday afternoon and last night, particularly Loyola. And uh, Loyola's had, I think, the benefit of an easier run through the bracket. Yes, they're an 11 seed, and, and they're Loyola. So we, we, we say that right off the top. But, you know, they have to face Nevada instead of one of the top seeds, uh, they go into uh, last night against Kansas State, and they beat up on Kansas State, which wasn't a particularly high seed either. So they've had they've been able to benefit from that. But w- what is it about Loyola when you watch them? You know what stands out to you about their ability to get this far? Listen, I you know besides Sister Jean, 
Yeah, besides Sister Jean, who, by the way, is, her bracket's as bad as yours, Karan. Look, her bracket's busted. She picked Loyola to Sweet 16, then out. Talking about having a heavenly presence just over <laughs> you. Can, can, can you bring that back one more time? A little bit. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, you you're, you're in a good place where you're going out there on that platform, whether you're in Los Angeles, whether you're in the Western region or the Eastern region or wherever you're at, and you have that type of presence, like, you know, all jokes aside, they're just playing exceptionally well. They're clicking on all cylinders. They're passing the ball. They're playing for one another. Defensively, offensively, you just see it. Mm. There's no hidden agendas. They're playing for one another. And the thing about the NCAA tournament, which which gets us all excited, is that anything can really happen. It really can. Like, one, you get one night, one game, where you just get someone's best effort, and if the ball's not going in, if defensively they're not engaged or they took an opponent lightly, you can be going home, and, and, and that's it. And Loyola believes. They believe you know, they can be anyone. Yeah, and you know, like I was reading this earlier today that as big an upstart and as as shocking as it is that Loyola Chicago got there, according to NCAA.com, 5,532 brackets correctly predicted that Loyola Chicago would make the Final Four. That's insane. Like, how many, are those all Loyola Chicago grads? Are there people that are just guessing based on, I don't know, colors of the uniform or yeah, mascots, Sister Jean? But 5,000-plus people, Karan, predicted Loyola would get to the Final Four. I was not one of them. All right, I was this, not on that list. This is what happened. Someone actually took 10,000 brackets. They took 10,000 sheets and they just filled out randomly <laughs> all the craziest things that can happen and then the logical things that can happen. And somewhere in between, they got it right. It's like Brad Stevens, the Celtics coach who uh, actually was in his household, had one of the brackets that predicted UMBC knocking off Virginia because he said his dog filled out a bracket, and his dog is uh, picked the Terriers from UMBC. So, you know, good for, for Brad Stevens there to have that uh, lockdown. But uh, the the NBA prospects here, Karan, Marvin Bagley's probably the best one left, I would imagine. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But you've had a good look now at, at, at these top-of-the-draft guys, and whether it's Aiton or uh, Mo Bamba. It seems like it's a big man's draft, at least in the, the top five. Has anybody to you, the guys you've seen, and I know it's a, uh, we have a ways to go before the actual draft, but does anybody start to separate themselves? I would have to say Aiden. I mean, he's a he's 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 a grown man. Mm. The way that he plays, like he's so physical, um, he possesses that athletic ability to just dominate a game. You know, from a physical standpoint. And then you look at Marvin Bagley and what he's been able to do at the University of Duke has been just simply amazing. You know, his aggressiveness, playing through him for the most part. You know, Coach K believing in him and going through him is just, you know, that speaks volumes. And he's a kid, like a lot of people have been talking about him. He's a kid. He's not showing this or he's not showing that. He he has defensive lapses where he, he looks like he's not engaged. What, what youngster don't? You see that all the time where, you know, youngsters – just, just have those moments where they're not engaged because, you know, you fall in love with offense at a, at a young age. But he that's the development process. And last but not least, you know, Trey Young. I mean, he's 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 must-watch television. 
He still is. We touched on it earlier in the hour. He's just a guy that I really love, you know, watching, and I feel like he has no ceilings on his development. A lot of people may say his size or whatever, but his creativity and his being able to create shots and create for others, I feel like he's going to be, you know, special going forward. You think Grayson Allen is an NBA player? Yes, absolutely. What kind of NBA player? It 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 depends. It depends on his development. Obviously, he's he, he's a guy that's going to continue to work hard. So, I'm excited about that part of it. But he can range from being JJ Redick. He can. I feel like he's going to be better than a Trajan Lane was. Like I see, I hear those comparisons, but he can put the ball on the floor and create. And I feel like that's what separates him. I feel like what did not separate Trajan Langdon was he was a shot maker, he was a professional sniper, but he couldn't put the ball on the floor. And then his size. But Grayson is what, 6'3", 6'4", probably listed 6'5". Listed 6'5", six, six, yeah. yeah so realistically, <laughs> Always after, faked. After the combine, he's probably 6'3 and a half, 3'8", mm-hmm. whatever. So he has the edge. And, and all his antics over the years, people always question his things. But – I love it. I love his edge. He He's your, willing to leave it all out there on the court to get a win. Did your teams lie about your height back in the day? I, I lie about my height today. <laughs> I came in the Seriously? studio. They're like, hey, you, okay. you're a little taller than I expected. How tall <laughs> oh, are you? Oh, taller. Okay. Yeah, I'm 6'5". Six, I'm 6'5 six, and a half, but hey, man, I'm, I'm claiming 6'7". I saw, uh, when I was in Utah, I saw David Stockton, you know, John's son. That's a great story out there, playing for the Jazz on a 10-day contract. He's listed at uh, – I think five uh, ten, uh, or maybe, I don't know what he's five ten, five eleven, one hundred seventy five pounds. He's maybe five nine, hundred and fifty five. Like the, the lying that goes on amongst NBA types with uh, with size and weight is 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 pretty 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 interesting. Davis, my guy, man. I had a chance to uh, play alongside with him. He had a how big is contract. he then? How big is he? Ah, five nine and a half. I was yeah, yeah. There you go. Five, but he got he got a lion heart, man. He got heart. He could play. He could play at the highest level. But yeah, him about him and IT right there together. Uh huh. Now you mentioned um, you know the comparisons for a Grayson Allen with the two Duke guys, and a, a comparison that comes up is also Jimmer Fredette. And you know, do you use? And then look, we I, I think from what I'm hearing um, from draft uh, from teams with 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 draft picks, he's not going to go in the lottery. Grayson Allen. He's probably going to go end of the first round if he goes early second round. That wouldn't surprise either. But Jimmer Fredette is a guy that came into the NBA with that scoring ability. Now you played against Jimmer in addition to watching him play. What was it about Jimmer that 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 was the big reasons why he didn't work out? Couldn't create. He couldn't create shots for his teammates, and he was a guy that just had moments and spots where he can be effective. But he couldn't create shots for himself either, mm. and that's that's a problem. Like when you can't get separation from defenders, um, you lack uh, the speed. And another thing is, you know, defensively, not he wasn't just a liability. Sometimes he was a liability pretty much all the time on the defense. All the time. Floor. So when you look at Grayson, uh, he he isn't the same because he can create for himself. He can create shots for others. He also – has an edge to himself where, you know, by going to the University of Duke where defensive point is is point of emphasis. Like, you can't play for Coach K if you're not going to be out there, you know, 
strapping up and hitting the floor and being engaged and to the point where he's actually he's tripping and diving and grabbing and everything you know and that's the type of that's the type of effort and desperation that you need from your guys when you're on the court competing at a high level duke guys can be hard to predict sometimes it seems like whether it's you know langdon to reddick to christian leitner to grant hill i mean they've they've got some some big time hits but they also have a few misses or many misses i think along the way they're a little hard to predict yeah but more hits more hits than misses. Yeah, like, yeah. Especially as of late, you look at guys like, you know, you look at Tatum, you look at uh, Kyrie oh, Irving, and uh, yeah, you look at the versatility of these guys, and yeah, you like, wow, it's almost like the system held them back. You know, <laughs> like they bought into a system that you didn't get a chance to actually see the better version of what you're seeing now out of these guys. Like seeing Jason Tatum the other night against OKC, I was just mm-hmm. like, whoa his length and his, you know, his preparation and just seeing the way that he moves and gallops on the floor. I was just like, wow, he's, he's a special talent. Like, he's going he's gonna to be scary in the future. Yeah, and those Duke guys do have some mental toughness, too, having played in those hostile environments as much uh, as they do. It's Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star NBA champion here on Fox Sports Radio. We talked a little NBA there, and uh, the NBA regular season, it is winding down. That means the playoffs right around the corner. Unfortunately, the playoffs, at least the first round, looks like it's going to get hit pretty hard with injuries. We'll talk about some of those injuries next. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Texas Tech Villanova just tipping off now from Boston. No better time to get to Hooters. Try the new smoked wings. It's a whole new way to crave wings. With all the taste, half the calories, you can eat twice as many. That's Hooters. Check it out. All right, so, Karan, we're like two weeks away, two and a half weeks away, start of the NBA playoffs. Good time of year, right? Everybody gets gets pumped up for it. I'm not as jazzed as I was two months ago because injuries have just they've sort of taken the heart out of me a little bit. The, the Steph Curry injury, which we'll get to, the Kyrie Irving injury, which we'll get to, but no stranger injury than what Kawhi Leonard's going through right now. The quad injuries held him out for all but nine games this season. The Spurs apparently have medically cleared him to play. Uh, players are, are talking to him, at least, about what his, his deal is. What do you make of what's going on down in San Antonio? I mean, you, you, you can't really make out what really is going on because very seldomly do they talk about these things. Like, San Antonio is – is an organization that very seldomly have controversy. They, they they don't really have issues. They kind of just fly under the radar and then all of a sudden appear in your finals. You know what I mean? So it's like one of those situations where Kawhi isn't speaking on it and all you hear is stories. But where there's smoke, there's fire. And the one thing I can take from it is that Danny Green is a guy that, you know, I respect I, – I really respect his opinion. He don't talk much, but when guys like that speak, they have something to say. And what he said was, look, that meme was not about Kawhi Leonard. That meme was about us. You know, just collectively understanding that, look, we're in we're in a, a tough situation. We're in a logjam from three to eight or possibly nine or not even being in the playoffs. So we need to do something about it. We we need to just, you know, regroup and all hands on deck going forward. 
Okay, so you say, and, and based on what Danny Green says, that that meeting was not about Ka- Kawhi Leonard. Listen to what Tony Parker said when asked by the media about the uh, the meeting that was held. I've been through it. It was a rehab for me, too, for eight months, you know, so same kind of injury. Uh, my mind was a hundred times worse, but the same kind of injury, and uh, just try to stay positive. So when I did my injury, 48 hours, I was in surgery. I didn't take, like, two weeks and go uh, through options and stuff like that. For me, it was a no-brainer because I feel like we have the best uh, medical team uh, in the world. Now, Parker is more responding to questions about the Spurs medical staff, specifically why Kawhi Leonard sought a second opinion. He was defending the Spurs medical staff. But what stuck out to me, Karam, was him saying that his injury was 100 times worse than Kawhi Leonard's injury. And he's back out there on the floor. I mean, did you take that as kind of some shade thrown at uh, at Kawhi? Yeah, you know what? I, I did take it as a situation being that, look, this is a veteran guy that don't know how long his lifeline is going to be you know, in this association. You know, he's on the back end of his career. He wants to compete, compete at a high level. And winning is very important because no matter who you are, when you lose, things have to change going forward. That's just the nature of the business, you know, um, and that's that's just what it is. And Kawhi Leonard is a guy that could change the forward thinking of the San Antonio Spurs future. He's one of he the could- best two-way guys. In all imagine, basketball. Imagine him getting healthy, Karan, in the last like week of the season. Imagine if you're like Houston or Golden State, where you know the playoffs are going to be tough, probably from the second round on. But regardless of, of, of how well-adjusted Kawhi can get to his teammates, if you've got to face Kawhi, a LaMarcus Aldridge face playing the best basketball of his time in San Antonio, and those bench guys that don't have big names but seem to fit in well around Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard, you've got to be almost... If you see Kawhi Leonard come back in like early April, you know if you're if you're Houston and they're locked in like the eight seed, part of you has to think like, man, maybe we can lose this number one seed. Like, screw this, I don't want to play them in the first round. Yeah, you you, you don't. They're they're scary. Give but, me Utah the first round. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't want to play them either because you're, they're they're so young. They're they don't know any better. Like you look at the Eastern Conference as well with the Seventy Sixers, so young. You just don't want to face them because they don't know any better. They don't know that they're supposed to not be ready yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. Like, they're just going to go out and perform, and anything can happen. You know, so those are scary teams. And how do you prepare for a team with Kawhi Leonard? Obviously, we know the system and the San Antonio Spurs and their way and how they run things, but you really don't know how to prepare for him. Can he come back and be even a better version of himself because he's rested? Or is the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard looking at the big picture and just saying, look, we don't we can't we can't be Houston this year. We're not equipped to do that. Let's develop the young guys who we have. Let's fill in some plugs and get ready for next season. Let's get you all the way healthy. Let's not risk that. And I think Kawhi Leonard is thinking, you know, health before anything, because mind you, this is something that we did not address, but he was possibly misdiagnosed by the medical team before he came back too soon and he went right back out. And you don't want to have that situation, you know. So I think it's best for him to, you know, get 110%, not 100%, but 110%. Get all the way healthy and then, you know, put your best foot forward. Let me ask you this, because Kyrie Irving got a second opinion. uh, Kawhi Leonard got a second opinion. Does it – Raise red flags to you when a player gets a second opinion, or is that more common than people think? Yeah, 
it's common now because people are looking at themselves as a brand and as a business as they should. Because, and this is this is hard facts, the roar of the crowd is not for you, it's for what you can do. And when you can't do it no longer, they'll be cheering for someone else. Mm-hmm. So you got to have that mindset going into that space, into that business. Look, these are team doctors. Notice what I said first. Team. Team. They're, it's the team doctors. So they're looking out for the best interest of who? The team. Uh, the team, yeah. yeah. But so, are those interests not aligned, though? I mean, yeah, the, 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 interest, be... the interest is aligned, but at the same time, you need your best players out to have your best opportunity. And listen, sometimes doctors in this space become fans too. They want to see guys play just as bad. So if an injury is two weeks, I mean, look, he can't really hurt himself that bad if he just go and play a little early and just, you know, we might have to, you know, ice it up a little bit more, get a little more medication to get him through. You never know what the scenario is. So it's good to have an outside, independent opinion on your situation and then let you make the final call because no one really knows. You know what I found myself thinking, too, um, when this whole thing started to jump off was I don't know if it would be happening if Tim Duncan was still on the team because Tim Duncan had such an influence in that locker room that, I, I, look, he, Kawhi would still be going through the injury problem, but I don't know if we'd have leaks of a meeting or a, as much public uh, consumption of everything that's gone on as we do right now. I think Duncan would have would have controlled some of that from inside the locker room. Yeah, I I, I think so too. And that's that's important, but you know, Duncan isn't there no more. Mm-hmm. And this is it, it's supposed to be Kawhi Leonard's team, his time. This is his era. And it's starting off in a you know, a a a roller coaster way. But, you know, hopefully they can figure it out going forward, which they will. I I never question Pop in that organization. They are the standard. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. But I definitely believe they'll figure it out. Yeah, too too successful an organization and too talented a player to, to at least not bet on them trying to figure it out. All right, well, a couple more injuries happening in the NBA. Kyrie Irving's injury, what does that mean for Boston? Steph Curry, of course, uh, his injury in Golden State. But first, check in with David Gascon. With the latest. What's up, David? Gentlemen, uh, NBA action has already tipped off from Brooklyn. The Nets and Cavaliers are going back and forth in a good ball game so far. LeBron storms down. Oh, the lane and hammers home a dunk. LeBron James took that pass in the backcourt, just rolled right down the middle with the floor. Cavaliers Radio Network. He got off to a good start, had 20 points in actually the opening half of this ballgame. He's got 24 now. He's 9 of 13 from the field, 7 rebounds. Kevin Love. He's got 13, 8, and 2 so far, but Brooklyn leading by a couple points early on. 69-67, to play in the third quarter. Spurs have a six-game winning streak. They'll put them on the line in Milwaukee later on today. Same thing with the Houston Rockets. They're looking for nine in a row and do battle with the Atlanta Hawks at 8 o'clock Eastern. No Chris Paul in that ball game. He's got a sore hamstring. In college basketball, Texas Tech and Villanova in the Elite Eight game is just underway. About 15 minutes to play in the first half in the Texas Tech in front of Villanova, 9-6. Later on today at 5.05 Eastern, get Duke and Kansas, a battle of one versus two seeds in the Midwest region. In the National Football League, a couple notes there. Kevin Colbert, the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, is still deciding on whether to exercise the option for linebacker Bud Dupree. Fifth-year option for 2019 will get him paid a little bit more than $9 million, and the team right now has held off on contract negotiations with 
stud tailback Le'Veon Bell. Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studio. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figure out which way is easier. Karan, can I take this minute here to um, just say that college basketball sucks? Like, the game itself is just bad. It's just bad. Like, (laughs) NBA basketball takes a beating like for, for, for certain parts of it, but compared to college basketball, it, it's no comparison. College basketball is bad basketball. You can, you can look at so many things with college basketball and why it's bad. First of all, you can look at how it's assembled with the tournament, and you can look at the NCAA, and you can see, you know, the players, you know, being the product and not being rewarded. You can talk about that issue, you know, you know, the NCAA making billions of dollars off these kids. And, you know, fairest change never been a robbery, but it's no fairest change in this situation. Mm-hmm. You also can look at, you know, the development and the skill set of these young men. It's just not there. And that's the reason why, you know, the tournament is wide open. Not just because of the seating or pathways or whatever the case, what have you, but it's the it's because of the development of the young guys. It's just not there. You don't see the fundamentally sound, talented guys as much anymore because, you know, they're 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 being told certain things. It's the reason why it's six hundred transfers plus every year. Because, you know, once adversity strikes, kids usually transfer. They don't they they're not accustomed to hearing the real truth. Don't want to be coached. Like, you see a lot of things out there like that, and that's the problem in college basketball right now, one of them. Yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on that part of it. But we didn't discuss this earlier, but what, what, is, what is the solution then? Because the corruption scandal in college basketball, it's probably going to get worse. I don't, think we've, I don't think we've reached the end of all this. I think some other big schools are likely to get implicated. I think other coaches could find themselves out of jobs based on what the FBI comes up with. But at some point, college basketball has to emerge out of this as something. And it looks like, from the sound of the Quran, the NCAA is maybe more willing than ever to hear and, and, and listen to and come up with solutions to this problem. If, if, if you were part of this process, what would your solution be? I'll listen. I'll, I'll really listen. Like, for instance, you saw a demonstration of you know young youth March for our lives yesterday. Yep. And very cool. What yeah, it it was amazing. And what happened is that you know, adults far in between everyone from all walks of different shades, different layers, they listen. They listen to the youth. They look they listen to the real message. Because the one thing about children, they always going to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they just going to tell you what it is and it's it comes from such a honest place that you have to accept it, you know, and, 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 and it's real. And that's the same thing what's happening with the NCAA. Kids are telling you, look, it's, look I'm, I'm struggling with this financially or whatever the case may be, and, and why is that? Because it's a real issue. Like, you look at the marketing, uh, the, the marketing capability of some of these talented guys, why shouldn't they be able to be represented by legal representation where the universities and the the, the, the coaches and all these other uh, 
entities are being represented by legal representation, but the kid is not afforded that. Why aren't you giving a lifetime scholarship to these kids? Why aren't you giving certain things from a medical standpoint where, you know, where it's workman comps? Why why aren't mm-hmm. you looking at them from that perspective going forward to be like, look, let's protect these kids because that's what they are. They're kids. Like, you have to protect them. You have to change the system. What was shouldn't remain. Like, it can't stay how it was <laughs> all the way back then for years, and it's still the same rules. And then once we have this conversation, I saw a 60-minute piece where Jay Will posted uh, a week ago, a couple of days ago, and it was so spot on where you talked about Adidas and Reebok and, you know, the university getting these 8 to $10 million uh, uh, 10-year deals for hundreds of millions of dollars and the kids not being rewarded. They are the content. They are the product. There's a reason why we turn on and say, look, Duke is playing. Why? Who who are we watching? Yeah. We're, we're, I, we're watch, I, we want to watch Bagley. We want to see can he rise to the moment. We don't want to see if Coach K can rise to the moment. We know he's a hell of a coach and he's he's excellent. Excellent old guy. You give him a chance to prepare, he's gonna get it done and all. But like we're tuned in to see these kids do something that's gonna just awe us. But what would you do though? Because like go back to your years at at, at UConn at you know oh one, oh two. You were a big-time college player. You averaged 22 points per game, playing for a big-time program. You were going to go on and be an NBA draft pick. What kind of compensation makes sense? That And I say this in the, in, in the context of compensation that makes sense that wouldn't divide the locker room. In other words, like, would you be okay if a guy of your stature was making X dollars, but you know, the walk-on made zero or the ninth guy on the team made zero? This is the problem with the fixed college basketball advocates, of which I'm one of, by the way, there's no real great solution to this that, that makes a lot of, that makes perfect sense. That's because they're not really diving into it. We have the conversation. See, the same thing with the association, right, with MLB, NFL, and mm-hmm. even the NBA. It's no real – that's why you have lockouts. And people be like, well, the, the athletes are ungrateful. No, the athletes are understanding that it's billions of dollars being made. Like, have you ever tried to do an evaluation on the NBA or Disney or something? They'd be like, what's the what's the net worth of right. of the NBA? They'd be like, I don't know. You get a Leonard Hamilton thing. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, we'll get back yeah, to you. Yeah, we'll get back to you because we don't know. It's in the, you know, whatever. Infinity. We don't know the value of it. So if the reason we're tuned in to this thing that we don't know the value of is because of the players in the content, which is the players, why aren't they getting a big piece of the pie? And that's what I'm saying. BRI, basketball-related income, was created for the players. That's all things. It's called talking about video games. It's talking about jersey sales. We're not saying, hey, look, LeBron get a bigger percentage because he's the face, or Steph Curry get a bigger percentage because he's the face. What you have is the revenue coming in, and then you divide it amongst the players for their years in compensation. That's how the percentages are split up. So it may be 51% to the players, 49% to the association. And then you're taking care of retired players and all of that, et cetera, et cetera. So why can't you come up with all this? Look look, look what we just came up with today, Mm -hmm. a methodology of – 20, the top 20 players of the, the, the 
20 athletes of the last 20 years. Right. Analytics and all the numbers and all the numbers in the world being used for what? Absolutely nothing. So you mm-hmm. telling me that you can't come up with some type of system to, you know, reward these kids, these students somehow, some way? Come on, man. Well, I think the only the only solution that's ever made any sense to me is to go by the Olympic model, which is basically you allow the the stars to make money off the field. So if you are a Marvin Bagley, you can go to Nike and cut your own deal. If you are a uh, DeAndre Ayton, you can go to Adidas and cut your own deal or, or whatever you want to do there. The problem with that, and I had this exact conversation with Donovan Mitchell last week, the problem with that, and he brought this up, that it, it would – negatively affect recruiting because if you're a, a Nike and, and you want to get your hooks into a DeAndre Ayton or a Bagley or even a Trey Young at some point, and if you want to get your hooks into them early, you don't want them going to Oklahoma, frankly. You want all these kids playing at Kentucky or Duke or any of the, the schools that are constant Michigan State constantly on TV. And then if you do that, if you use that model – all of a sudden, you're probably going to get stars clustering in one or two specific schools. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I like that as, a, as an alternative, but I think there's also a huge downside to it as well if it creates, like, the, the six super teams in college basketball and everybody else is playing for third place. I, I, I agree, but I don't because you, you, you look at the NBA the same way. Look how the NBA was before with, you know, Bird and Magic. And then you had the two major markets where you're talking about the Boston Celtics, you're talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. And you look at the championships and the 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 the, the good kept getting better and it just kept building. But now, if you're looking at the NBA, guys are going to Oklahoma. One of the biggest, brightest superstars in all of basketball, one of the most fashionable guys in, you know, is Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. being in that market. So, and one of the things that jumped off the screen at me was when you said affecting recruiting. Is it mm-hmm. about the kid or is it about the university and what they're trying to build? I think it should be about the kid. And I think in time they will adjust, you know, like because we're going to find a way to put them on the national stage, whether you're playing in uh, Spokane or where you're playing in, Utah somewhere, whatever. Like we're going to figure out a way to find you and highlight you and your talents because people want to see the best of the best. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Karan Butler. When we come back, I do want to get into what we saw last night in the uh, Florida State against Michigan game. Leonard Hamilton, questionable decision-making down the stretch. Who do you put the blame on that for? Much more uh, on the college basketball scene as well. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Chris Mannix, Karan Butler coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Studios. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Karan, before I get to anything else, uh, your alma mater got themselves a new head coach, Dan Hurley. What do you think? You know what? It's funny you asked that question. All right. Um, I try to be funny. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited for the school. I got mixed feelings about that. Okay. Calhoun, you know, Calhoun, his legacy and everything the university stood for for years and, you know, handing it off to Kevin Ali was just like the perfect thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we rallied behind him and 
2014, he he wins he wins a national title. And normally in situations, you will see a coach that wins a national title be rewarded, you know, everything, the eight to ten year extensions or whatever the case have you. But with Kevin Ali, he he was rewarded an extension and wasn't able to fulfill that all the way through because, you know, he hit some lumps in the road with, you know, injuries and recruitment stuff where now you have where you have situations where you're trying to teach kids to be a better version of themselves. And when you give them real conductive criticism, they want to transfer, they want to, you know, go against the grain a little bit. And that's part of it. But he delivered a championship. And I feel like we just we prematurely stepped away from him. You know, as a university, instead of embracing him and staying with him for the duration, and now, you know, we have a new face. We have a new, we have a new person at that seat, and I'm happy for you know Dan Hurley and, and and his family and having Tom Moore come back to the campus. You know, he was someone that was the assistant coach while I was there. Him, Coach Lado, and Carl Hobbs, but. It it is still I have mixed feelings just because I felt like that situation could have been handled a little better because Kevin was one of our own he's our brother, um, he's family he delivered he brought us a championship he kept the camaraderie right he kept us all together and one of just the best guys you can ever meet on and off the court. Yeah, a guy that had a bright NBA future before he went into the college ranks still might. I mean I think there's some NBA teams that'd be interested in working. Uh, with Kevin Ollie in some capacity, whether it's in a coaching capacity uh, or in the front office, which he was in uh, Oklahoma City before he went uh, back to UConn. Thought for a minute, though, Karan, that, that Calhoun might get back into the mix because he's been, you know, what's that, St. Joseph School in the uh, Connecticut area? He might be coaching there at some point. Thought that UConn would consider him before uh, they brought in Dan Hurley. Yeah, listen, Coach Calhoun is, you know, obviously a walking Hall of Famer. He's a guy that, you know, you can't tell the story of, you know, UConn basketball without him and Gino Oriema. They've done an excellent job of just restoring the feeling there in stores. And, you know, we can put, you know, our school and our university up, men and women, against anyone, and I think we're right there at the top. So, uh, you know, I was hoping that that would have been the case. But, you know, he's he, he served his, his, his time. And, you know, he's still in love with the game. And he's, you know, he's addicted to, you know, bettering young people. And that's why he's still doing it. Like, I talked to him the other day, and he was like, it's all about impacting kids' lives and, you know, giving them that direction that they need. But, you know, being being at the university, this probably wasn't for him right now. These, these coaches are lifers, though. You know that. I mean, Rick Pitino will coach again. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know at what level. But Rick Pitino will coach again. Guys like Pitino, Calhoun, Calipari, guys that have been in this game forever, they just – they just don't know anything else. They, I mean, when they're not coaching and, and whatever reasons they may have, like you said with Calhoun, impacting young men, when they're not doing it, they don't know what to do with themselves. That's why Larry Brown is like, every time I talk to one of Larry Brown's like like people out of his coaching tree, they'll tell me that Larry's like driving through Kansas right now going to a high school gym somewhere. These guys, it's in their DNA. It's in their blood, Karan. They, they can't give it up. Really, It really is. I, I, I had a, one of the best coaches ever to, you know, I ever played for. Max Good, I had him in prep school, and um, he was the head coach at Loyola Marymount for some time. He also mm-hmm. was the assistant head at UNLV with Billy Baino, and he's in you know his mid seventies right now, and he's still at it. You know what I mean? Like he's Crazy. calling, he's coaching. He was at Wichita 
you know, at the community college. He's just someone that loves the game, and you have to pry him away from it. But, you know, he's going to be on that court till the end of it. What are you going to be doing in your mid-70s? Hey, man, we're going to be doing this show. Oh, we're doing the show on Sundays. I mean, but like every, you know, the other six days of the week. Right at the church, man. We're coming on live, baby. <laughs> I think mid-70s, I'll be like still on a bar stool in Boston drinking Bud Lights. Like that's still, I'm, I'm convinced that's going to be my, my end. Like somewhere in South Boston. Yeah, I don't need much, man. I just need a, I just need a straw and some aqua hydrate. I'm good. Aqua, see, that's where we're different there. A little aqua hydrate and a straw. I'm thinking Bud Light, Keystone Light, whatever's the cheapest one out there. I don't care. I'm just taking and put it down. Karan, man, it's been a blast. Uh, looking forward to doing this every single Sunday. Uh, what's rest for you? What's on tap for you the rest of the day? Hey, I'm gonna go uh, chill with the kids. Just enjoy the rest of the day and watch this triple header. And just enjoy life, man. It's a lot of games coming on today, man. A lot to talk about next week. Wow, some bad basketball right now in the NBA. Like the Nets are playing, like the Rockets. Although the Hawks, they ended uh, ended uh, Atlanta or uh, Utah's winning streak when I was out there last. So maybe anything can happen, I guess. Hey, with hey, the Brooklyn Rockets keeping game. this thing interesting right now. It's a yeah, four-point game. Yeah. They keep playing hard. Brooklyn can't close games. Oh, I wish we had another save. We could do this <laughs> another, another time. Karan Butler, we will see you back here next Sunday. Good to talk to you, my friend. Pleasure, Chris. All right, it's Chris and Karan coming to you here at Fox Sports Radio here every Sunday, 12 to 3 Eastern Time, 9 to 12 Pacific. A lot to get to next week. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits... LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.